0: Call this book the ultimate international bestseller. And I can tell you with complete conviction that they are not wrong. The book I am talking about is The Power of One, written by Bryce Courtney. Hello, dear listeners, this is the Greedy Reader, and you're listening to my podcast, Forgotten Books. I bring you books from long ago, and I hope like crazy that you enjoy hearing about these wonderful stories written by amazing authors. The Power of One is on my list of top 10 books and it has remained there ever since I read it many, many years ago. Published in 1989, it is Courtenay's debut novel, which he wrote when he was 50. Very interesting, no? And he had written this as a practice manuscript for the book he thought he would ultimately write. The story goes that the manuscript was used as a doorstopper because he was sure that no one would want to publish it. he went on to writing a second manuscript. Then one day, his son's girlfriend literally stumbled on it and got down to reading it. She was enchanted and insisted that Courtney send it to publishers. The rest, as they say, is history. The novel has been translated into 18 languages, selling millions of copies worldwide. In 1992, it was made into a film starring Morgan Freeman, Daniel Craig and Sir John Gielgud. But I must warn you that it really didn't do any justice to the book and so please do not watch it. But you should read the book. It will make a place in your heart. Today's episode is going to be a long one since this is a story that is very close to me and which I feel needs careful retelling. I do not want to miss out on any interesting bits. And so dear people, please relax your minds, sit back, settle down for a trip into South Africa, along with all the characters of this wonderful book, The Power of One by Bryce Courtney. It all starts when our main protagonist, a five-year-old British child in South Africa is sent to boarding school. He is fatherless and he has been living with his mother and grandfather in a farm. He has a black nanny whom he adores and he is a very happy child. He plays about the farm. He has a lot of chickens around uh, who are reared by the grandfather and he is very content to be there. But when his mother suddenly suffers a nervous breakdown, this little boy is sent to boarding school. The narrative here is in the first person and we are taken forward through the child's mind and thoughts. And this story is actually taking place in the years between 1939 to 1951. You know, starting from when our protagonist is 5 and going on to when he is around 17. A surprising element in this uh, story is that his real name is never mentioned. So this five-year-old child is in boarding school where he is the youngest and he is being bullied by older children right from the first day. He ends up wetting his bed. And this becomes the reason that he gets a name that he adopts for the rest of his life. The bullies call him Piscop or Bedwetter. And later this is shortened to PK by a very kind-hearted Indian shopkeeper. P.K. is our protagonist and I assure you that you will fall in love with this child. Not only is he the youngest but he is also the only British child there which is just one more reason for the bored children to bully him mercilessly. But P.K. is a survivor. He survives his years there by learning to camouflage his intelligence and anything else that he feels will call attention to him. And he becomes what he calls the perfect stick insect blending in perfectly. It's in his second year in school that PK gets a friend. A chicken, which he names Grandpa Chuk because it reminds him of his grandfather. And the scrawny chicken and the little bullied child become the best friends. PK is highly intelligent, but he hides it from his teachers and the other students in his efforts to blend in. At the end of the school year, just when PK thinks that he has survived perfectly, he suffers a loss. This brings him to tears and he says that the loneliness birds laid their eggs in his heart. He gets a further shock when he is told that he cannot go back to the old farm because his grandfather has shifted to another place called Barberton. So PK has to go to Barberton, PK has to take a train and PK has to undertake this journey alone. PK boats the train and he's surprised to see the first kind human being has, he has met so far. And that is the conductor of the train called Hoppy Grenwald. And Hoppy is not only a conductor, he's also a boxer. PK also witnesses his first boxing match when the train stops at Gravelot. Now this is a station where the train will stop for a long period of time and uh, there are, you know, different kinds of entertainments happening there and one of which is this boxing match between Hoppy Granwold and Jack Smith. And Hoppy Granwold is the welterweight champion but he's fighting this time against a much bigger person. And Hoppy is the winner. And during their time together, P.K. gets to know about Hoppy's philosophy about boxing and life. Because Hoppy tells P.K. that whenever a problem comes your way, you have to address it first with the head and then with the heart. And P.K. has found his mantra, something that he carries forward with him in his life. And he also has his first mentor, the person who gives him the idea of the power of one. So let's hear P.K.'s words about Hoppy and the power of one. Quote, He had given me the power of one. One idea, one heart, one mind, one plan, one determination. Hoppy had sensed my need to grow. My need to be assured that the world around me had not been specially arranged to bring about my undoing. He gave me a defense system and with it he gave me hope. And PK gets an aim in life. He wants to become the welterweight champion of the world. He has no clue how he's going to do it. He doesn't even know anyone else who boxes. But he plants the dream firmly in his mind. And there are a couple of other characters who he meets on this journey. And uh, they help to cement this idea, this thought of the power of one in his mind. And next day, P.K. lands in Barberton. A town known mainly for its prison, and he's alarmed to see that his mother, who has recovered from a breakdown, has become a born again Christian. And his beloved nanny, whom he had been looking forward to coming back to, has been banished back to her village because she refused to accept the new religion. The only constants that he finds are his grandfather and the two kitchen girls, Dee and Dum. The house is very different, much smaller than his earlier one. It's set a little way up a hill the whole atmosphere there is different and there is no farm around and it, everything is different for PK when he had expected to come back to things which were familiar. PK has a lot of arguments with his mother who wants him to accept the religion and after a particularly emotional argument, PK stomps out of the house and ends up sitting on a rock that looks out onto the mountains behind. He can see the whole town laid out before him and also the barburton Prison in the distance. At that time, he does not know that it's a prison, but he thinks that the architecture of misery has an unmistakable look and feel to it. It is at this rock that he meets the next person who becomes his best friend and teacher for the next decade an old German professor of music and botany who has fled Nazi Germany and settled down in South Africa in a small house which is halfway up the hills. Professor Von Wallenstein, who P.K. calls Doc. So at this juncture, we become aware of a change in P.K.'s thought process and the style of narration. P.K. for the first time addresses the reader directly and says, quote, You may ask how a six-year-old could think like this? I can only answer that one did, Unquote. Doc and P.K. become inseparable. Doc is a man who considers gaining knowledge as a fundamental part of life. And P.K. is a boy who is highly intelligent and who is very unconventional in his thinking. So Doc talks to P.K. as an equal. And P.K. is never told that the knowledge he acquires should be limited by his age and there are only certain things that he should know about. And his mind, for the first time, is set free. It's a beautiful friendship. P.K. says, quote, The loneliness birds had flown away and I had grown up and made a new friend called Doc and had learned several new things. And good. PK learns to remove the mantle he had used to hide his intelligence because Doc is appalled that PK is dumping himself down. No, Doc does not like that. Doc says that it's not a crime to be smart. It is a crime to hide your smartness. So, Doc is also a collector of cacti. And he's obsessed with them. And he brings a scientific temperament to this hobby. Each each specimen is carefully found out. Uh, you know, it's both of them go together. Doc and PK go together exploring in the hills. And they find out new specimens. They bring it back. They store it carefully. They bring it back. It is tabulated. The details are written down. Then they find out more about it. The Latin name. So this by itself is a kind of education for PK. And this is what PK tells about those days. Quote. Doc never talked down. Much of what he said would take me years to understand, but I soaked it up, nevertheless, storing it in my awkward young mind where it could mature and later come back to me. He taught me to read for meaning and information, to make margin notes, and to follow these up with trips to the Barberton Library. Now Mrs Boxall the librarian is the other person who becomes a part of educating PK. She refers different kinds of books and she looks on tolerantly at what she calls the eccentricities of Doc and PK. PK is also enrolled at the local school but his true education is from Doc and Mrs Boxall. Now we come to the next milestone of PK's life when he's 7 years old because one day Doc is arrested and he is taken to Barberton Prison on charges of being an illegal alien. He hadn't registered himself formally when he arrived from Germany and so he has to be imprisoned. But due to his advanced age and his skill on the piano, he is given some preferential treatment, one of which is that PK can visit him in prison and continue his music lessons. PK's interest is pick. By the fact that the Barberton prison has a boxing squad. Consisting of the warders and the children, this squad gets regular training in the prison gym. And PK convinces Captain Smith, the officer in charge, to include him also, although he's too small by their standards. PK becomes a regular in prison and he takes his first step towards his dream, which is to be the welterweight champion of the world. After a couple of years, he is allowed to fight in a competition which he wins. And during those days, P.K. is befriended by an old black prisoner called Gilpete. Gilpete, according to P.K., was the new man of Southern Africa, the result of 300 years of torture, treachery, racism and slaughter in the name of one colour or another. Gilpete is a survivor. Gilpete is a fighter. Gilpete is another person who blends and camouflages himself. And Gilpete helps out in the boxing gym and proves to be an important influence on PK both as a person and as a fighter. Prison is a place where PK's eyes are opened to another facet of life in South Africa. The brutal side to life for blacks. He starts noticing how they are treated by the whites purely because they are of a different race the cruelty meted out to them is completely disproportionate to the crimes that they commit and uh, PK realises that you know often they are not even treated as human beings and here we see PK's social consciousness being moulded through his exposure to the life of black prisoners in Barberton Doc, PK and Gilpete They work together and they work out a system of writing letters to the families of the black prisoners in secret and smuggling in some essentials for them. And P.K. gains a following among the prisoners who thinks of him as a sign of hope for them, as something beautiful in their lives. Now, Doc is somebody who practices his piano at night and the prisoners have noticed this. They listen to his music and in their minds uh, they call uh, him a frog. So PK becomes the tadpole and because of what he does for them, PK gets the name of the tadpole angel. A name that was to later become his fighting name in the boxing ring. In the meantime, Doc is asked to compose a piece of music for the visit of a high ranking officer to the prison. And he composes something that holds the music of all the people of Africa. He calls it the concerto of the Southland. He involves the prisoners who practice through PK's instructions to Gilpete. Because they are not allowed to meet each other. In prison, each tribe is kept separate. They are not allowed to mingle. Dog's concerto is something that brings all of them together. And since the directions are given by the tadpole angel, it becomes extra special for them. I'll now read a few lines about the last part of the song as it is being performed that evening in front of a small audience and the prisoners. Quote Each tribe sounded different, seemingly building on the tribe before. Each separated by a common refrain which was hauntingly African and seemed somehow to be a mixture of all. The Zulus took the last part which rose in power and majesty as they sang the victory song of the great Shaka using the flats of their hands to bang on the ground as the mighty Zulu Impi had done with their feet until the parade ground appeared to shake. The other tribes soon got the rhythm and they too hit the ground to add to the effect. The concerto lasted for half an hour. The last part being the by now familiar refrain, which all the tribes hummed in a glorious finale. Never had a composer's work had a stranger debut, and never a greater one. Eventually, the composition would be played by philharmonic and symphony orchestras around the world, accompanied by some of the world's most famous choirs. But it would never sound better than it did under the African moon in the prison yard when 350 black inmates lost themselves in their pride and love for their tribal lands unquote. this was one of the most moving parts of the book for me when the author shows us how you know, imprisoned souls still can soar high when they are moved and music is something that touches everybody so I, I loved reading this part you know and this is also the evening that PK suffers a huge loss in his life. And he ends up crying for his friend and for Africa. Then World War II ends, and Doc is free to return home. PK wins the transfer under 12 boxing title, and he gets admission to the Prince of Wales School in Johannesburg. Now PK's journey is accelerating. He is in school. He is finding friends who are of his own age. And uh, he's still a loner, but there are few people whom he allows into his, his mind. And uh, he shines in academics, mainly because he realizes that he does not have to camouflage himself again. And his intellect has been carefully nurtured by, um, by Doc, by Mrs. Boxall, and there's another teacher called Mrs. Bonstein. PK also joins the boxing team in school because he loves it and after all he has to become the welterweight champion of the world and he shines in boxing. His best friend is Levy, Jaime Levy, a Jewish boy and Levy is a master at schemes and they both indulge in many endeavours that is extremely lucrative. PK starts training at Solly Goldman's gym, He's one of the top coaches in South Africa and PK had needed money for that and that is one of the reasons why they do all these crazy schemes. Everything is going very smoothly in PK's life for the first time. He settles into life at the Prince of Wales school and he makes good friends. The years pass and there are many incidents of boxing in life which I'm not getting into because I'm hoping that at least some of you would want to read the book. And uh, one of the schemes, one of the activities that PK and Levy get up to is starting a school for blacks and uh, but they are not able to take it further because the police crack down on them and uh, PK is again made aware of the distinction that is there between whites and blacks in South Africa apartheid has not yet become a commonly used term but the spirit of apartheid the concept of apartheid is already in people's lives So after many years in that school, P.K. has established a reputation as a top class boxer and a brilliant academic student. At the end of his final year in school, he applies for a Rhodes scholarship to Oxford. And for the very first time in his life, P.K. has to face failure because he is rejected. He gains admission in Oxford, but he realizes that he does not have the money for that education. P.K. has had enough of handouts. And till now, P.K.'s life has been about following the decisions that his mentors have taken for him. And he has had enough of it. He decides to take a step back from everything and think for himself. He takes a break for a year and he decides to go and work in the copper mines of northern Rhodesia. Life in the mines is hard and dangerous. Through all this Piquet does not lose sight of his ultimate aim, which is to become the welterweight champion of the world. He works out, he makes enough money for Oxford, and then decides to leave when there is an accident in the mines and he narrowly escapes. But a friend of his dies. Before Piquet can say a final goodbye to the mines, he comes face to face with his first nemesis, who is called the Judge, And who had been one of the most cruel students who bullied P.K. when he was in boarding school. And also the boy who had killed Grandpa Chuk. P.K. and the judge fight it out. And there is a certain closure that P.K. gets. There ends this heartbreaking and powerful saga of the power of one. I have read it multiple times and it's my safety blanket. When things get dark and I flounder. Books have the power of remaining the same no matter how long we have known them and of extending the same comfort every single time we go to them. So Power of One is a book which is which has always helped me, which has always you know, brought me back from wherever, whichever dark place I've gone to. And Power of One is something that has, you know, given me a lot of inspiration, given me a lot of encouragement. PK is a boy who is one of my role models. You know, uh, I love reading about P.K. and how he sticks to what he believes in. And how he works towards the goal that he has in his mind. I love reading about that. I love reading about how P.K.'s mind is developed by the doc and Mrs. Boxall. And it's so beautiful to read about it. I hope I have kindled an interest in you to get more closely acquainted with this book and enter P.K.'s world. Please write to me at my website www.thegreedyreader.com or you can contact me on Instagram at thegreedyreader. We will talk about books, about books that move us, about books that bring us to our knees and about books that save us. Have a wonderful weekend, my beautiful, beautiful listeners. Bye-bye.